Hi, I'm Alex Bellinger, and this is Small Biz Pod on Wednesday, the 20th of December. Uh, coming up in today's show, I interview Adam Hildreth, who is CEO of Crisp Thinking and uh, arguably one of the UK's uh, most successful young entrepreneurs. Uh, he's 21, he's already worth uh, £5 million sterling, and he uh, is on record as being the UK's youngest ever managing director uh, when he launched uh, a company called Dubit just after leaving school with a handful of GCSEs. Uh, so Adam's a fascinating character to talk to. Um, he may be young, but he's got a lot of uh, experience under his belt already and a lot of insight. Um, so well worth staying tuned for that. I'll also have the usual roundup of comments and opinion from uh, listeners. And uh, one or two other pieces of uh, news, not to mention the classic slice of electronica, which uh, I always bring to you at the end of the show. Talking of which, uh, just as a quick plug, um, I have launched an electronica podcast uh, in a sort of little offshoot. If you uh, enjoy the music more than the chat in Small Biz Pod, uh, then that's where you should go, beatificpodcast.com. I'll put a link in the show notes. Talking of plugs, um, I had an email from uh, BJ Cunningham. Uh, You'll remember BJ I interviewed... um, a little while back and he said some fascinating things about uh, marketing it was he was the guy who uh, headed up um, the death cigarettes brand amongst other things uh, i know people found his um, the podcast i did or the interview i did with him um, uh, useful um, he wrote to me to say uh, he's got coming up on the 23rd of january a free teleconference um, for anyone interested in um uh, how to make the most of branding and add value to uh, to the bottom line. So, uh, since it's free, since um, it's, uh, I, I think he's really good. Um, why not go over and have a have a check him out? Um, do do sign up, ask him a question. If you head over to brandevolutionworkshop.com forward slash ask, uh, then that's the place to go. Twenty uh, third of Jan is the the free teleconference. So, uh, if you fancy picking BJ's brains, that's the place to do it. But for the time being, let's go straight on to the interview with Adam Hildreth, CEO of Crisp Thinking. Young entrepreneurs, well, um, they don't come much younger, uh, at least when they started out, than um, Adam Hildreth, who holds the, uh, the record in the UK as being um, the UK's youngest ever managing director. Um, and at, tre- at 20, 21 was probably one of the most successful entrepreneurs or young entrepreneurs in the country. Now, um, Adam, welcome to Small Biz Pod. Good morning. Um, how did it all start? What, what, how, how come you had such a, uh, an intense entrepreneurial spirit from such a young age? Um, well, essentially, uh, originally it all started back in, um, I don't know if you've heard of Young Enterprise, it's sort of the charity set up to help uh, younger people at school and sixth form run companies themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we, I basically found out about that because school, let's say, um, I didn't really get on with school in terms of the education as it was, um, you know, learning things that I really couldn't see a practical use for in life. Yeah. Uh, and I've always wanted to do something a bit different, something driven, really. In business, I always took... Um, an acute interest in it really and, and really enjoyed what I was seeing so as soon as Young Enterprise came along I just sort of jumped on that bandwagon even though we were a bit too young we were only 14 at the time right. um, so I, I got a group of friends together and said let's run a Young Enterprise company yeah 
Um, so we started doing that. It went very well. And essentially the idea was to go and set up a debit card so that teenagers could actually buy on the internet. Because at the time, there was no way for teenagers to buy on the internet, even okay. though it was you know, the middle of the dot-com era and there's all these e-commerce sites setting up. Yeah. And there was yeah. no way to do it. So we, so we went into all these banks and everything else and I was essentially running a business while I was at school. So I had a mobile phone and no one else did. Um, you know, sneak out of classrooms, that kind of thing, and go and make phone calls to people. Um, and essentially, when it got to the age of 16, I decided to leave school and mm. set up the company full time as a proper limited company. Yeah. Um, w- you know, with staff and an office in Leeds and everything else. So, so that's basically where I started and, for, and did that for three years um, until I essentially left as managing director about a year and a half ago. Okay, and that was that was Dubit Limited, was it? Or was it was Dubit Limited, yeah. yeah. And, and so it, it sort of turned into a into a sort of website and marketing consultancy beyond just the original the original sort of young enterprise thought. Was that right? Yeah, it did. I mean, what what actually happened was um, once we st- I started running the business full time. Um, obviously, the card was there, but we needed to go and generate revenue. Yeah. Now, in order to prove to the banks that we had what it took to essentially get teenage interest in this card, we'd set up a teen website with our experience of what we thought teenagers wanted. Mm, mm. Um, and obviously, this was getting you know a quarter of a million users on it. Yeah. Um, which is absolutely great for, for what we're looking to do. So we started looking at ways of which people could advertise on the site. Um, and after that, basically, people realized that actually we knew, knew what we were talking about in this market. And yeah. um, people started essentially um, what employing us, using us as an agency to tell them um, what they should be doing and how they should be dealing with teenagers and then producing their websites for them. And a whole load of research came off the back of that. So essentially, we set up an entire youth communications agency um, off the back of initial idea, really, on our expertise. Yeah, and it's a very uh, it's it's a very in demand kind of market that one, isn't it? Absolutely massive. Yeah, if you t- I think it's something stupid like disposable income. I think is still around thirteen billion for eleven to seventeen year olds. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and that's a year, <laughs> and that it really is disposable. You know, there's no mortgages or rent no, to pay no, on that. No, that's no, there, absolutely to spend. Rather bizarrely, and I hadn't I because when um, uh, I came across your name again, Adam. Um, uh, I did a little Google search um, and discovered that actually you'd been uh, you'd been voted, I think, as in the top ten of the RBS um, Young Entrepreneurs Twenty Twenty. <laughs> yeah, I think it was, it was yeah. in two thousand and three. Now, rather bizarrely, I was working at RBS and managing that campaign at the time. So, but oh, yeah. I don't think we ever met. So that was that was kind of quite quite weird. We did, we worked with Weber Shamwick to pull that one together. So um, yes, yeah, so I remember, and I proje- I think we projected something like um, forty million by twenty twenty. Are, yeah. are you on your way to forty million? Um, I think <laughs> everyone's on the it? way, aren't they? In yeah, one sense or the other. Okay, um, so. You say you you left um, Dubit Limited um, uh, just over a year ago. Yeah. Why and and what are you doing now? Um, I felt that I'd taken Dubit to a point where you know we had some really good clients, we had some really good uh, revenues coming off the back of it. Um, but the the business was set up there. You know, we have there's, there were still four operating divisions and everything else. Yeah. And I just felt I'd taken it to the point where you know it could it's someone else could well actually Ian, the guy that was um, the, the co-director with me at the time mm. could just take it. It got to the stage where I didn't really feel I could obviously carry on running it, but I wanted to you know go back into the, sort of the, the startup world. Not that it wasn't still a it's kind of startup environment. Yeah. One itself yeah. with a new idea and everything else. It just it was very repetitive, which is great for a business because obviously you've got the guarantees and everything else there yeah, yeah. Um, but I just wanted to move on and look at other things so you are 
you are a, a serial entrepreneur in the making, are you? You got that. You got that yes. bug, have you? <laughs> Be bouncing, having created three or four businesses in the next next few years. Well, hopefully not that many, but yeah. Okay. So, um, crisp thinking is your new uh, business. What is what is that about? Um, crisp thinking essentially is we. we we have designed and are designing technology for ISPs in order to protect children on the internet. Okay. Um, obviously, on the back of everything that happened with Dubit, we're involved with the government and a load of other people on how do you protect children and everyone else from the threat of online groomers and things like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and what struck me was there's obviously a huge market there, but no one was really doing it properly. And there's a whole series of applications out there that said they could, you know, protect kids. And actually they weren't. And with my experience, I knew they weren't doing that. Hmm. So we set up CRISP about a year ago to look at technology specifically for Internet service providers that they can deploy in their network, which would do exactly that, make it very easy for parents to be able to put the protection in place that would deal with the threat, really, of online grooming on the Internet. Yeah. And uh, I mean, clearly, that in, in some ways, that follows on from your experience um, from the early days of you know uh, of setting up businesses online. Um, you you know, you were only, I suppose, just out of childhood when you ran your first yeah. online business. Well, so, still uh, in it, probably. A, well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, obviously, uh, I mean, you were there in uh, at the sort of original um, dot com um, era, um, early, I suppose, around nine. Around 2000, wasn't it, I suppose? It was, yeah, but 1999, um, 1999, I think. 1999, and it all went um, pop as the, the, the bubble um, did. Um, we're in a kind of a world now where, where uh, broadband is, is much more prevalent, um, where technology has advanced to the point that all of those, many of those ideas from the sort of original dot-com era are now um, much more easily and readily exec- executable. Um, they are, yeah. Um, and how, you know, as, as, a, as a veteran at the tender age of, what are you, 22? <laughs> of Not yet, 21. 21, <laughs> my God, yeah. okay. As a veteran of, of both dot-com ages, how, how do you see sort of Web 2.0 and this second, this second um, internet boom, as it were? Um. Well, I think it's extremely interesting. I hope people don't get back into what happened in obviously the original dot com, which was any website with users on it is going to make billions and billions of uh, pounds or dollars, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, I really hope people actually look at the business models surrounding the whole of Web 2.0 and actually there is actually some money and revenue that can be created off them. I think that was the biggest mistake back then. Um, and I think that's where it's going. I think people have obviously learned the lessons that. Um, just because you've got a load of users on a website, that's not exactly, it's not going to make us all a lot of money. Mm. Um, and there's some really good ideas coming through now. It's also a lot easier once you've got a good idea. People understand all the pitfalls as well now. Um, yeah. So it, it makes it a lot easier for sort of entrepreneurs to launch in that marketplace. And actually harder as well, because you need to have a lot better idea now um, than what you were about to do on the original dot-com days. Indeed. Um, and the whole social element of the, uh, uh, of the online world now has really, really taken off. And, and I guess from that perspective... Um, a, a, a product or a service like yours that that um, that makes it safe for young people to socialise online is is kind of a uh, timely. Exactly right. Yeah, um, we we've really hit sort of the nail on the head when it comes to that side of things. Obviously, there's a huge social networking boom at the moment, and everything else associated with that. And mm. um, you still got the classic things as well, like you know your MSN Messenger and everything else, which obviously what we protect against. Yeah. Um, but there. They're sort of coming more and more into fruition now based on the back of everything else that's happened with the social networking, the MySpaces, the Bebos and everything else. 
Um, so that's that's where we really sit is in that safety market is making sure it's it's safe just like we did in, in the dot com times it was you know there was public chat rooms now you've got social networking yeah and we deal yeah. with all those elements of risk. Yeah. Now, I mean, one of the things, uh, one of the the, the sort of things that is clear about uh, web 2.0 businesses is that very very largely they're about giving stuff away um <laughs> uh, the the no longer is the business model does the business model appear to be about charging users for the service it is about advertising so it is about making you know making users engage and 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 come back to your site and enjoy your site and making the users do your marketing as it were for you um and then reaping the benefits in terms of advertising that appears to be the business model do you think that's a, a sound model um I, d- I don't know in terms of the advertising online i think in terms of that basically google got it 100 percent spot on in terms of what they did with the original um, sort of Google search, where yeah. they had the advertisers on the right hand side, I, I think it comes back to what I said a minute ago. Any, I don't believe that just because you've got a website with lots of users there, you know, advertisers get what they get that what they actually pay for. Yeah. Um, certainly on the Google, you do because unless someone's clicked on your ad, you're not actually paying for it, and that works. And it also works in Google that a lot of people will click the advertisements because they're actually searching for something. Yeah. But if I'm on a YouTube or a MySpace or something like that, viewing someone else's profile or viewing videos, do I really want to be clicking on adverts because I'm I'm not actually searching for any of those services? Mm. Um, mm. So I don't know. I, I probably don't think there's that much as much revenue in there as w- what people say there is. Um, mm. But then again, I've, I'd love to see it happen. <laughs> okay. Um, let's just um, sort of finish off by talking a little bit about um, how you view. Um, uh, entrepreneurship in the UK. The the h- how easy is it for young people to with with a real passion to start their own business to to to, to get out there and set up and uh, and make a success of things. Is it is it harder? Is it easier? Is it is it that usual thing where you know young people have no fear, so they're not frightened of making mistakes? Is what's the? I don't know. I think I think you've got the key word there, and that's passion. It depends how passionate and determined someone actually is, no matter how old you are, really. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'd say you do until you've proven yourself. You've got to try a lot harder than anybody else. Um. And lucky for me, the bit went extremely well, and obviously I'm now sort of associated with that and everything else I'm involved with. Hmm. Um. But for anyone new coming in, it's going to take them a long time. Um, to really show to people that they are determined and they are going to put the effort in to make the company work. And I think that's what a lot of sort of investors and people looking to invest in startups are looking for now, is actually more the, the people, not just the idea. Yeah. Because um, it's far, far too easy just to give up at the first hurdle, really. Um, and anyone that sort of any young entrepreneur that starts complaining that, oh, it's not that easy, they, they probably haven't <laughs> got the right thing. Because yeah. it's not easy at all, but it's not yeah. easy for anybody. No. And it's far no. too easy to make excuses. Um, or this business failed because of that, or we couldn't get this for console out. There's always a way to achieve something. It just depends how long you can actually, you know, how how much time and effort you're going to put into making sure it actually happens. Um, and secondly, as well, not not giving up easily. Yeah, yeah. There were so many people sort of um, when we were doing it that told us it was never going to work, and you know, you don't have the experience and the the idea is never going to work. If you believe in it, and obviously you take that advice on board and actually work out for yourself whether it's right or wrong. Um, you know, there's obviously no point having rose tinted glass on if you're right. No, no, absolutely no, awful. no, no. <laughs> um, but you know, if we'd given up, then I wouldn't be here now. So, absolutely. I mean, I think I think the the combination of passion and determination, and of course, a, a decent business idea in the first place, are the are the kind of three pillars, I'd say, of of su- yeah. If you haven't got the, the good idea, then you yeah, then you you know you, <laughs> you see you see quite a lot of people on. Um, 
Dragon's Den, don't you, who clearly do not have a very good idea, but plenty of passion. And they, yeah, and they also don't listen either. Yeah, um, indeed, yeah. Which is the other thing, you know, listen to people that are going to give you advice and everything else from it. Because actually a lot of the time that they have got the experience of doing what they're doing. Sometimes they've got no idea what they're talking about, um, you know, and smile and walk away gracefully, however you want to do it. Yeah. Um, but actually just, just listening to people and working out, actually, have they got some traction? And it could just send you off a completely different slant. If you, even if you look at where Dubbit got its revenue from, it's nowhere near what it thought it was from the first um, when, when we actually set out there originally, it yeah. was to create an actual payment card for teenagers. That's still on the books and it's still going well. Yeah. Um, but so it evolved. Kind of exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and finally, you um, do, what do you what do you what do you think in terms of um, um, the, the the education and the the support that is out there? You mentioned that you know you were really switched off at school by all the sort of traditional academic subjects. Do you think there is enough emphasis or enough um, opportunity or or enough ideas presented to to young people out there today to to inspire them to to, to set out in business on their own on leaving school as a as a you know as a genuine career option? Um. No, not at all. I think if you look at the route I went down, I was told by my business studies teacher um, before I left school at 16 that you can't run a business unless you've gone and done your A-levels and you've got a degree, you know what you're talking about. Hmm. Um, you know, I don't think there is anywhere near enough support for young entrepreneurs, but it depends what you mean by young entrepreneur. You know, it's like I'm in, I'm in some awards at the end of this month and it's under 30. Yeah. You know, so if, yeah. yeah, so you can have gone, a young entrepreneur can have technically gone and got a degree, they could have got their master's, they could have got, well, any qualification they wanted to, really. Yeah. Um, and that's one route to go down. The other route is when actually school doesn't work for a lot of people because, it, you know, they just don't get on with it in whatever re- for whatever reason they want to. And actually, I think it's them that need the support, really, um, yes. when they want to go and do something because they've probably got the passion and determination to go and do that. Um, well, anybody, and they understand the real. I really think business is so simple. You know, if you you buy or make something at a price and you sell it on for more than that, that's yeah. that. if you go down to the real simple proposition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, a lot of the time, the people that don't have necessary education there do see it that simply and can make a hell of a lot of money for themselves. I mean, I think there's a there's a there's a distinct opportunity for for um, businesses to to actually. Uh, to give young young people who are perhaps not so interested in school opportunities, you know, work placements or or, or you know a couple of weeks in terms of sort of work experience, just to experience a, a, a fast growing startup. Say, I mean, I know yeah, I know that exactly. fast growing startups are probably probably maybe maybe find it a little difficult to to to, to carry a, a school lever for a couple of weeks, but um, but nevertheless, I think the you know that kind of that kind of real experience and interaction um could prove very valuable well i think so i mean a lot of the time obviously they do do work experience um but it's in you know it's in the british gashes yeah gashes absolutely the world yeah, and everything yeah. Else. which is the wrong end isn't it i think exactly it's yeah. not showing the exciting side of business you're still doing all your paperwork and you're still doing your spreadsheets and your predictions and everything else that's not really your startup environment the exciting side of really being on the edge of business yeah okay adam hildreth thanks very much indeed for joining us today no problem thanks a lot yeah, he's a nice guy, Adam. I, re- I enjoyed that conversation with him, and I think uh, I hope you enjoyed listening to it as well. Um, certainly, got some some interesting things to say there about uh, how to uh, inspire uh, young people to to look at uh, starting their own businesses seriously. Um, I, I think the idea of uh, of getting them to see startups in action is is not a bad not a not a bad way of doing it to get to, to get the you know the thrill of the chase, get a get an idea of what it takes and the excitement and the buzz. 
um, that I suspect is going to be one of the one of the ways in which uh, we can encourage more young people in the UK and indeed around the world uh, to uh, look at entrepreneurship or, or running their own business as a, as a real opportunity. I mean, and in fact, I mean, if there are there are listeners um, outside the UK, which I know there are lots of, um, who know of schemes locally designed to inspire young people. Um, do drop me a line. Let me know. Let me know how they work. Um, be very interested to hear what other countries are doing in that respect, um, and potentially interested in um, creating a, an addition of small biz pod around young entre- entrepreneurship um, in in uh, you know in another continent or in another area of the world where they're um, encouraging successfully young people to uh, to take the plunge. So. Um, let's move on to some comments. And uh, I had uh, several email comments uh, this last week or so. Um, the first one from David Crosselhuber from Austria, who says, uh, I listened to your show recently and it was great. Um, I'm trying to start up a business, but I lack advertising ideas. It's a business distributing binoculars, but strictly business to business. So could you please help me and just send me brief information of what you think are the most efficient marketing measures for a small business? I'm consulting you because you are apparently an expert in the field of small business. Well, um, as I said to David in an email, uh, yeah, I I am supposedly or apparently an expert in small business, but not really. I'm running a small business. I'm uh, uh, learning as I go along, I guess, like lots of you people listening here. Uh, with a bit of luck, um, but uh, I think the people who really know what they're talking about are the people that I interview every week. That was one of the reasons. One of the reasons that I uh, wanted to, to to set up Small Biz Pod in the first place. Um, but I did suggest to David um, a, a few options um, in terms of how he could go about promoting uh, his business. I mean, some obvious things like like um, uh, networking online and offline. Um, as a as a starting point to to start generating that word of mouth about about the product in a very cheap inexpensive or or no cost way of uh, beginning to spread the word but um if uh, if others have some some neat ideas how a new business uh, advertising or can use advertising or other marketing methods to uh, to promote to other businesses, then um, do drop me a line, alex at smallbizpod.co.uk, and we'll uh, we'll give David some hints and tips. Um, then I also had an email from uh, Doug Smart. Doug Smart, remember, uh, does a one-minute business podcast, um, and uh, he just dropped me a line to say thanks very much for mentioning his show on Small Biz Pod. Um, and uh, yeah, we're going to have a chat. See if we can do do a podcast or two, perhaps together, something like that. I don't know. We'll we'll mean mean Doug are due to to have a chat early in the next year. Um, and then Carolyn Mumby, who you may remember, runs the Managers Club, which is um, a blog and podcast for the North East, I think, and or Humberside of which I should know. I always forget uh, in, in the UK. Um, she very kindly interviewed me uh, about uh, podcasting in particular and um, that show has gone live Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes Um, so thanks very much Carolyn for that Um, and good luck with your podcast I'm certainly going to be keeping an ear out for it Um, and then one comment on the Small Biz Pod blog from a long-standing listener, Ray Algar, who uh, is based down in Brighton and is a, a leisure uh, 
industry or health fitness club industry consultant. And uh, he writes to say, uh, hi, Alex, enjoyed the show. This was uh, the last show. Um, is the format now to air more but shorter interviews? I suppose it may depend on how much an interviewee has to say. Uh, well, yeah, I think I'll be doing more with a bit of luck as from the new year, although I'm always saying that. So take that as you wish. Um, I definitely intend to do more. Um, whether the interviews will be longer or shorter, I suspect they'll be about an average 20 minutes um, in general. The reason that the interviews from the last show were a little bit shorter, and I quite liked them at that length too, was because that was the amount of time that I could grab um, the speakers, if you remember, from Inspire 2006. Uh, that was how long I could get them for, as it were, between sessions. So uh, maybe the shorter uh, time span works better. Um, do let me know whether you prefer more interviews at, uh, but slightly shorter, or whether you like the the more in depth uh, interview. So um, other than that, um, I think uh, we are now just about coming towards the end of today's show. Don't forget that. Uh, I really do appreciate any audio comments in particular. Uh, you can leave an audio comment just by uh, Skyping me, uh, you know, the old uh, voice over internet Skype uh, most people would be familiar with. Uh, if you want to Skype me, you can at alex-smallbizpod or just visit the blog smallbizpod.co.uk to uh, find the uh, the little link there. Also, you can uh, phone and leave a message um, and I can uh, play that message on the podcast. Uh, and the number is uh, plus four four if you're outside of the UK. Uh, zero or drop the zero if you're outside the UK. Zero two zero eight one three three one six five six. Again, the numbers on the podcast blog. Or you can leave a comment or just drop me an email at alex at smallbizpod.co.uk. Um, it really is always really great to hear from you. Uh, one other quick thought uh, and piece of news uh, it's looking very likely that i might have secured a, a, a sponsor for small biz pod which is going to be really 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 great um not least because it'll pay for some some of the costs involved in putting the putting the podcast together and it'll help focus my mind and uh, indeed with a bit of luck allow me to get get more episodes and more content out to you um and uh, hopefully um you'll enjoy it all so uh, that's something to uh, look forward to in the new year. Um, other than that, it's finally my music choice for this week. Um, and I have been inspired by Pete Cooper, who is a, a fellow British podcaster, who's directed me towards this whole new plethora of electronica and other fascinating music on um, the website called uh, oh for goodness sake archive.org it's a sort of internet archive um, so there's some fantastic music out there and including uh, lots of net labels and the track I'm going to play today is by uh, the brilliantly named uh, artist uh, Russian Linesman um, and this guy clearly has a sense of humour and uh, this particular track is called Man Without a Hanover. Oh, and one final thing. Uh, happy Christmas to all of you if you celebrate Christmas. And uh, if you don't, uh, Happy New Year to you all who celebrate New Year, as it will be coming up. Uh, thank you all for being loyal listeners and uh, enjoy the track. I'll butt out now. I'm beginning to sound like a DJ. <laughs>
Wow.